Welcome to this special episode of Scotland's Choice, recorded from the SNP's 88th Annual National Conference in Aberdeen. And what a time in politics to get everybody back together in person for. During this episode, you'll hear from MPs Mark Doherty-Hughes, Stuart Hosey, Amy Callaghan, Kirsty Blackman and Stephen Flynn, along with the SNP's Policy Development Convener, Tony Giuliano, and Shetland-based Independent Councillor Gary Robinson. Topics up for discussion, including the Tory cost of living crisis, Brexit, and of course, why we need independence for Scotland. And don't forget, you can find the full back catalogue of episodes for free wherever you listen to your podcasts or from scotlandschoice.scot, where you'll also find all of our articles from a whole range of contributors. If you're interested, stay tuned to the end if you want to become a Scotland's Choice columnist. Now let's get right into things and find out how our guests feel about being back at an in-person conference for the first time in three years. Stuart Hosey, MP for Dundee East. Uh, here I am in Aberdeen, first time in three years. Marvellous to see people in the flesh. You really enjoying being back here? And, oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think it, you recognise when you haven't seen people for so long, just what it means to have that kind of normal face-to-face contact it absolutely makes a huge difference and and from conference uh, obviously we're dealing with a lot of policy things here today what do you think is the the kind of biggest overarching feeling uh here just now so it's a particularly interesting time to have our conference isn't it the thing i'm picking up isn't a policy thing it's a sense of absolute determination that here we are both party and in terms of independence about 50% in the vote. Supreme Court meets in the next few days. We'll get their decision at some point. Scottish Government are going to be publishing the next economy paper about independence soon. I'm picking up an absolute determination to grab that ball, whatever route we have to go down, and just get on and win this. This is Stephen Flynn MP speaking about conference. The conference is important because it, it re, it's an opportunity for us to, to reaffirm what we are all about, and that's Scotland becoming an independent country. Uh, and at this moment in time, it couldn't be a more important discussion. We've seen the, the UK government go down a, a path which none of us, of course, have voted for, but one that's going to have real and lasting consequences for people up and down the breadth of, of Scotland, you know, giving, giving tax cuts to the, the richest in society while people are unable to, to heat their homes is, is unforgivable. And of course, we have also seen the, the Labour Party conference and the, the following from that. And, you know, people were saying it was a, it was a revolutionary moment for Labour akin to the, the Blair and Brown days. But in reality, what we've seen was a Labour Party reaffirm their commitment to nuclear energy, to nuclear power, to, to Brexit. And of course, we've seen Rachel Reeves come out on the back of their conference saying that the, the issue with Tory immigration policies were the fact that they weren't implementing them fast enough. I mean, it's, it's utterly absurd. Scotland can and, and should do so much better. And I'm looking forward to talking about that over the course of the next few days. Gary Robinson from Shetland Isles Council was a visitor to the conference and isn't affiliated with the SNP. Here's what he had to say. Well, it's the first time in a number of years that we've had uh, engaged politicians at scale, given the, the we're just emerging from the pandemic. So I think we really want to speak about some of the issues that are facing the islands just now. Clearly, uh, the... The cost of living crisis is having a massive impact in, on islands. Is that biting uh, hard for you locally? Biting hard. Yeah. It really is dis- disproportionate, we felt, in the islands because we've we've got so much off-grid. A lot of people on oil centrally or, or propane gas centrally. Uh, 
So it, it is a huge cost. And then there's the other costs like uh, transport costs and the cost of fuel going up, the, the cost of getting goods and delivering services in the islands is, is also going up. Here's Kirsty Blackman, MP. I'm so chuffed to be back at conference in Aberdeen. It's amazing <laughs> that there's people here, real human beings at conference. And it's a local gig for you as well? It is. It's just down the road, so it's yeah. not quite in my constituency. It's across the road, but it's like it's, it's awesome to have so many people come to Aberdeen. And I was on the bus, and like, I was looking around thinking, is that person a conference person? Is that person a conference person? So yeah. I used to have it and, here. And by the numbers out here, most of them probably were conference people. They absolutely were yeah. conference yeah. people, yeah. yeah. Getting on the, on the bus that comes out here, yeah. and the vast majority of them looked quite confused that they didn't know where the conference centre was. Yeah. They were asking the bus driver questions. <laughs> I was like, that's definitely and, and you, conference you, people. You maybe not see it from pictures because the whole is so cavernous, but there's like two sections of seating and right at the back, there's all of these people on the stage seating at the back um, that you can't see from the cameras and things like that really good to see everybody here but it's been great to meet up with this I, I actually can't believe how many people there are in the hall yeah. um, so I'm one of these people that comes to conference and really enjoys the fringe events and the exhibitions and tries to avoid the hall yeah. um, I mean I do go in for you know um, some some, grand speeches. for some of the debates and for some of the speeches but actually I'm about you know meeting people and seeing people but when I went into the hall and looked around I was like whoa there's so many folk here and actually sitting here enjoying getting stuck in talking about policy and, stuff. and we've got a lot of serious stuff to talk about with policy just now because because, you know, I mean, everybody who's listening on mode just now is a very, very critical time. We've seen some horrendous decisions taken at Westminster over the past few weeks. They've had some real impact for local people, for their families, for businesses all across Scotland. I mean, we absolutely have. And, you know, we had a situation before where so many years of austerity, right, the, the benefit system, social security system has been failing for a very, very long time. And it's not like it's not like people can just make a bit more cuts, right? They've already cut everything they possibly can. And we're now seeing people coming through our doors looking for help. They've never had to ask for help before. People who've been fairly comfortable of being able to afford holidays and you know and, and, and luxuries and extras. That's the striking and, thing, isn't it? People who previously would have said that they felt quite comfortable are now feeling the pressure. And that means there's a whole layer underneath that feeling even more pressure are really being pushed into, you know, into real extreme poverty. Well, we had a situation in advance of um, the energy prices shooting up where people who are on universal credit, if they're a single person on universal credit, they're likely to be below the destitution line. I mean, that is horrendous in what's supposed to be a kind of developed country, you know. We were already at that point. We were already at the point that, you know, years ago we were seeing folk coming through our doors saying, I've literally got nothing, I've sold everything, I've sold my mattress mm -hmm. in order to be able to afford to live. Yeah. And now that's magnified, now we're seeing more and more people, as energy bills double, you know, we've seen more and more people not able to afford energy. It, you know, with some like like luxuries and extras, right, you can just go without, mm. I mean it's not very pleasant, but you can go without luxuries and extras, you can't go without heating. You know, you just can't. Yeah, yeah. It's not possible. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's a really, really tough time for a huge number of people. And actually, that is a really key thing that's been brought up and at the conference. And the Tories have previously cut the £20 a week from uh, Westminster, but uh, the Tories of Westminster have cut the £20 a week on universal credit. Now they've, they've, they're talking about further cuts to uh, Social Security. Some of the working families rely on universal credit as well. You know, this isn't just, uh, you know, a very simplistic uh, ideology that they're applying here. This is going to hammer a lot of people, isn't it? And Tony's keep saying, oh, we need to we need to cut universal credit. We need to not raise universal credit because it's unfair and hard-working families. Well, the reality is that nearly half the folk on universal credit are working. Mm -hmm. You know, huge percentages of people are working. And actually, 
if you're in work, if you're earning the minimum wage, that's not enough to live on. Yeah. I mean, it's not a living wage, it's a minimum wage, it's below the living wage. And so, you know, you're needing to be topped up by the social security system. If Westminster had stepped in and raised the minimum wage to a level you can live on, they wouldn't be in quite this situation. They wouldn't have quite so many people needing to claim this. The other thing that really bugs me is when they talk about hard-working families, right? When they're talking about hard-working families, they don't mean people that are earning the minimum wage. They mean people that are, you know, relatively comfortable. They don't mean hospital porters or carers or, you know, people driving buses. Actually, what they mean is people who are earning enough money to be able to have spare money to invest in things. And yeah. it's just not true that, you know, people are not working hard that are earning not very much money. I think some of us are old enough to remember what it was like back in the 70s and the 80s. But if you go back to at least even the Second World War, there's been a constant narrative about how bad Westminster system is for Scotland. And yeah, it's got to a pinnacle now. We are a major producer of renewable energy, yet we are paying the cost for the UK's you know, commitment and its greed of But higher electricity fuels. prices here. Indeed, you know, it, 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 we're generating it no, it, and we've, we've got oil and it, gas. It makes and, no sense yeah. at all. And I, I think even for those who come from a very traditional independence background, as a, um, should I say, actually, those who come from a more, how can I put it, progressive unionism, I think would say that the cause of independence, the rationale for independence, is more attractive than ever before because it means you have an effective political system in Holyrood. That's not just about us in the SNP, it's critically about how their parliament works. And yes, that includes, uh, you know, Conservative, Labour, Green, Liberal Democrats, you know, after independence, people will vote for other people. Yeah. But our political system is more coherent, more focused, and it is clearly more able to That's deliver a, a programme of government. Sharp contrast to the Tory uh, Westminster Totally. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's Westminster. Mm. You know, you could put in Liz Truss or Keir, sorry, Sir Keir Starmer. Uh, it will make absolutely no difference to the way in which Westminster works. Um, so that, you know, they're kind of wheeling out, you know, the, here we're going to go have a federal Britain and, you the know, Abolition of the House uh, of Sorry, yeah, I mean. The, the 1910, the, I think, the, the Labour the Party British, first promised you know, that. The British Labour Party have been promising <laughs> that for, yeah. I think since the days of the end of the Irish Parliament in yeah. 1821 or something, in the 1840s. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even though the Labour Party, sorry, didn't exist at that point. Yeah. But, you know, they've been promising it for nearly a century. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, I think, you know, most people in Scotland will see that as an empty vessel which is going nowhere. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the cost of living crisis, I think, is really concentrating people's minds about how we create a more sustainable Scotland. That was Martin Doherty, use MP. Now, Stuart, who's the MP? I said, we've got a Tory government, and you, know, you and I see this in London all the time. Uh, a Tory government who set out an economic proposal three weeks ago that cost 45 billion quid. It was so bad it cost the Bank of England 65 billion quid to stop the pension funds collapsing. We're going to hear in November how they intend to presumably begin to dismantle a little more the welfare state, the social security system. These broad shoulders. These broad <laughs> shoulders, so that the poorest get hit yeah. even harder. Yeah. Scotland must and Wait, can do things so much better than I, that. I'm laughing at the, the ludicrous prospect of them saying that these are broad shoulders yeah. when they're doing so much damage. But it's a really serious issue for families, for uh, people up and down the, the, the whole of Scotland, isn't it? And indeed the other nations of the UK. But we, here we're talking about Scotland. So it, it, it is a devastating consequence. It is. And the, the consequences are quite, quite extraordinary. Uh, and it's not just communities who you might expect God, they're going to be under pressure. You know, if interest rates double and treble, 
You know, people with mortgages get absolutely hammered. People with consumer debt get absolutely hammered. We're seeing first-time buyers. Even if they can afford it, they can't get on the market yeah. because most of the mortgage products have been taken off the shelf. I've never seen quite such an incompetent government of any persuasion ever. And of course, we've seen uh, evidence from a number of different financial sources showing that the cost of living has been exasperated by uh, increased prices in the shops. Yeah. And, and a lot of that directly linked by those uh, those groups to Brexit. That, that's been a disaster, hasn't it? Brexit, I, 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 you know, it must be embarrassing every time a government minister or spokesperson opens their mouth not to mention Brexit when it's at the heart of much of the damage, whether it's the labour shortages, whether it's the cost of importing or exporting of goods and services, whether it's just inflation in general terms. It is at the heart, it is the root cause of many of the problems. They should be ashamed it was even ever considered, let alone delivered. And the fact that they now ignore it and put all the problems down to other things is laughable. I think the public see through yeah. that. And the public in Scotland obviously voted overwhelmingly against uh, Brexit. 62% every local authority area in Scotland mm. voted against it. And, and opinion polls show that there is a real appetite for Scotland rejoining the European Union. But that's not an offer of Westminster, is it? It's not an offer of Westminster. And what is, uh, I suppose, mind-boggling and shameful is that the Labour Party are going along with us. You know, if there was a time now when 60, 70% of people are against Brexit, to seize the initiative and say, we're going back into Europe and we're staying there, instead, what are Labour doing? They're pandering to people whose votes they can never win. Mm -hmm. They can never win. Mm -hmm. I just find that extraordinary. Now let's hear from the SNP's policy convener, Tony Giuliano. Uh, I think what we've seen down south with Westminster is, is the reality of the kind of country they want to build. They want a, a Singapore-esque nation on the edge of Europe uh, with low uh, taxation, low regulation that benefits the rich uh, and in turn that means watering down environmental protections, watering down workers' rights. That's the kind of country they want to build. We have the chance right now, I think, this window of opportunity we have right now to say to Scotland, independence is a safer bet. You know, uh, independence is, 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 is a safer bet and the socially progressive country that, that we can build. Uh, we can do that while staying part of this union uh, and while we have this far-right government in charge. And I, I really don't want to sugarcoat them because in comparison to other uh, hard-right governments in Europe, in Sweden and in Italy, they share that same platform. <laughs> They're on the exact same side of the argument. Uh, and, and, but, you know, not many... You know, commentators are willing to, 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 to call them out for what they really are. And there's only one way to get rid of the Tories for good. Absolutely, and that's independence. Now, Amy Callaghan, MP. They are only interested in protecting the, the, the welfare of the super rich and not the people that live in, in our constituencies and right across Scotland. They're only interested in, in protecting their banker friends. And that's, that's not good enough. And what we are doing is looking out for people right across the length and breadth of Scotland. And I think it's really, really interesting and stark and really disappointing to see the, the deaths that have come from welfare reforms from the Tory government over the last 12 years. And there are threats now to actually cut uh, payments to people on Social Security to 
to not um, increase in line with inflation as was promised by the uh, Tory government. What kind of impact do you think that will have? I think the impact's going to be significant and really start the the game-changing uh, Scottish health payment. The impact of that won't be seen and won't be felt by our communities because we're going to see real welfare cuts and the benefit of that will not be felt and that's really disappointing because people should be seeing more money in their pockets but they're not going to be and the kind of likes of like a £100 grant from the government to, to tackle, from the UK government to tackle the, the cost of living crisis will not make a dent in the, the bills because the, the energy price cap is a joke, it's mm -hmm. not a cap. So people have been led to believe something that is not actually true. What would Stephen Flynn MP have to say? This wider picture of where the UK economy is is, is in stark contrast to where Scotland could and should be with the resources that we have. We, we produce more oil and gas than we can possibly consume. We're at a point where we're only producing 14.4% of our electricity from gas generation, and yet we're being told not just that there'll be blackouts, but that people's bills are going to continue to go through the roof. It's, it's already made arguments for, you, for independence. You talked about there about the effect for people in, in constituencies like ours, you know, where you know, we have a colder climate, where perhaps you know more rural areas and so forth. Do you think that that Westminster is taking those issues of uh, Scotland and the geography here seriously when they're uh, offering up a hundred pounds for those people that are off gas grids? Uh, when a simple delivery, oil delivery, is £500 a load. Yeah, exactly. It's absurd. And it shows that the UK government are not interested in, in the issues that are most impacting people who, who live and work in Scotland. But this, this is not something you... Uh, we know that that's the case. It's been the case for a long, long time. It's why the, the Tories haven't won an election in Scotland since, since the mid-50s. But we have to perhaps stop talking about the bad things about the UK because there are so many bad things now. I've done that myself in terms of outlining them. We have to focus upon what the future can be for Scotland in terms of the way we can do things differently in terms of energy generation, in terms of making sure that there's a, a clear link between the renewable electricity that we are generating and the bills that people pay to bring down those bills. And, and that's that's the sort of narrative we need to be projecting. And I think over the course of the next couple of days at conference, we can and should be able to do that. Now, you believe we'd benefit from having the powers of our energy, energy policy in Scotland, yeah? Well, I think that that has to be the way to go. Uh, the, the current system isn't working for us, uh, has, arguably has never worked for us. Uh, so definitely open to, to change in energy, energy regulation. Now, in terms of, um, you know, you've nobody on the gas grid in Shetland, have you, at the moment? No, we, we have no gas grid. <laughs> there's, no, there's no gas grid there for, for people. In fact, we're not even on the national grid for yeah. electricity well, either. It, yeah. so, so you've seen, you know, for, for people, £100 being offered for people that are not in the gas grid. Um, what kind of impact will that have on bills for, for people locally? I mean, I mean, that's just a fraction of the cost of filling up their, mm -hmm. their oil tank or their propane gas tank. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a drop in the ocean mm -hmm. and it goes nowhere near covering the, the vast increase in costs that... I've, I've heard constituents say to me they're actually quite insulted about that. Is that yeah, well, would that be a fair yeah, reflection? I, I of, think that's a fair reflection yeah, for, yeah. for Shetland as and, well. And do, you think, do you think that kind of belies the kind of lack of understanding, lack of care, lack of interest that Westminster has shown to, uh, to communities like yours? Well, I mean, I, it, it makes me wonder, you know, who, who sits in an office and says we've, we've got, you know, price increases two, three, four-fold increases in cost, and the answer is, we'll bung them a hundred quid. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, 
that, that's just not the answer. Um, I think we need something that's much more impactful. Uh, and I know that the, the windfall taxes has been spoken about and, and nationalisation has been spoken about. But um, for, what I don't get is the disconnect between uh, renewable energy wind, for example, uh, and the, the cost that we're paying for energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and why why is it that when we we're not using that much gas uh, in the UK and we generate some of our own gas, is the price going up so much? Uh, I mean, usually if you're in an industry and the cost of your raw material is going up, your prices go up, and your your margins are also squeezed. So what we're being told is that in terms of oil and gas, that the the raw material is going up. But the profits have increased exponentially. It just doesn't make sense to me. There's something missing there. Uh, and the war in Ukraine, I'm sorry, doesn't, doesn't really cover it. I, I don't buy that argument. That was Shetland-based independent councillor Gary Robinson. He's also deputy leader of Shetland Council. Let's catch up with Kirsty Blackman, MP. The Labour Party have completely given up. I mean, you know, uh, the fact that they couldn't differentiate themselves from the Tories and that, you know, people weren't clear who to vote for, whether it was Labour or the Tories, because they couldn't tell them apart, you know, it just absolutely tells a story. And given that Scotland is historically and will continue to be more left than the rest of the UK, you know, that's where we are. We're a more um, socially... Left, yep. Yeah, a more socially concerned society. We're more communitarian. We're more about trying to, trying to make that, that difference for people. You know, we're going to be failed by Westminster, whoever is sitting in the House of Commons, whoever is sitting in, in number 10 down the street, they are failing the people of And Scotland. they're failing businesses as well. It's not It's not just the, the people, it's uh, it's an economic crisis that ranges across, uh, you know, the, the ordinary people, their families, right the way through to businesses. and uh, They're being hammered by these self-destructive policies, aren't they? And I mean, the economic crisis is what people are feeling now, but also we've got the climate crisis, right? And the UK government are failing on every turn mm -hmm. on the climate crisis. They're absolutely going the wrong direction right now. And what we need is we need to be, you know, fit for the future to coin a phrase. We need to be going in that right direction towards our climate change targets. And we can only do that if we've got the powers to be able to enforce that. We've already got really good, really ambitious targets, but we don't have all of those levers. We don't have all of those powers. So, yeah, absolutely. Westminster is taking us in the wrong direction right now for people, for their household budgets. Westminster is taking us in the wrong direction for the planet as well. Now we'll hear from Stuart Hosey MP. The best opportunity for Scotland is the, the, the prospectus that's been put forward to take control of our own affairs here in Scotland, to make decisions for people about people here and about communities here based on the fact that we have uh, the people here to make those decisions. That's a, a fundamental right for people to be able to choose, isn't it, in the future? What, what do you think of the... the are they just feared of um, asking the people of Scotland? Uh, is that the reason you get these the, the, the Tories and Labour Party and uh, Lib Dems saying you can't have a referendum? Is it, is it just fear? I think they're seeing the writing on the wall. I mean, a nation can't be sitting at... 50% support for independence in the absence of even a campaign mm -hmm. for there not to be a giant groundswell of opinion saying this is the direction we want to go. So I think, of course, unionism is afraid. And of course they are. But there's something more troubling than just their fear. This is a union. Scotland is a partner in the union and there must be 
a legal route for Scotland to leave. There must be. Otherwise, it's not a union, it's a prison. And if that's what our unionist political opponents are saying, you're staying in this prison, there's no way out ever, then I think that's a very, very dangerous place for them to be. Well, thanks again to all of our guests on this special edition of Scotland's Choice. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and to check out our opinion pieces at scotlandschoice.scot. If you'd like to write for Scotland's Choice, send us a DM on Twitter. I've been your host, Drew Hendry MP. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon here on Scotland's Choice.